Hi, everyone. My name's Greg Knight. And I'm Ricardo Avila. The Popping Collars marketing department has let Ricardo and I know that we have a problem with attracting and retaining younger listeners, you know, because we're old. (laughs) So we've recently purchased a Zoom millennial translator for our podcast promos so that young people will finally know what we're talking about. Let's fire up. Since we're the longest running Episcopal podcast, we have a lot of shows sitting in our archives. Stop the cap. You are straight up wiling. All that mid stuff is T-L-D-R. That's why we have the PC side pod take two, which allows us to go back and reevaluate some of our past episodes. Leo pointing meme. Stop gaslighting me, bro. You're trying to red pill me right now with this Finsta account. (laughs) I don't even know what that is. (laughs) <laughs> oh god i don't even understand what is leo pointing theme for real we haven't always had the greatest takes in the world and some pop culture has shifted pretty significantly take two gives us the chance to admit where we made mistakes and highlight how pop culture has evolved over the last couple of years <laughs> i was today years old when i learned about this i apologize i was not familiar with your game You got that dog in you. (laughs) NGL, I did not have this on my 2023 bingo card. So check check out Take Two right here on the Popping Colors feed and relive our wisdom and more frequently our embarrassment firsthand. This is fine. We live in a society. Chef's kiss. I was this close to rage quitting, but this idea is pretty grammable. Y'all are the goat Episcopod, G-O-A-T, Episcopod. Okay, Ricardo, we can turn off the translator and head off to lunch now. I could go beast mode on some food right now. T-T-Y-L, peeps. Uh, we may have a problem. (laughs) What is T-T-Y-L? Talk to you later. Oh, for God's sake. I didn't get the little got it button. Did you? I did. Okay, maybe I can just start it. It says recording in the corner. Oh, yes, it does. Okay, thank you. I'm just going to start. Yeah. Oh, and now that's going to go into the pod because he <laughs> I'm going to say something. I'm going to like say something nonsensical so that he has to deliberately edit. Okay. Tra la 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 la. Tra la la. Look at the button. <laughs> Tra la 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 la. Hi, hi, hi. Okay, there. We'll start now. Hey everyone, welcome to Popping Collars, or should I say it's Satellite Pod, PCBC, also known as Popping Collars Book Club. But since you're cool like us, you make everything an acronym. And anyone who doesn't know what you're talking about is not cool. PCBC, welcome. My name is Ricardo Avila. I am the rector of St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Los Gatos, California, where the weather is changing, which for us means going from 93 degrees to... 80, <laughs> although it does get cold in the winters. Uh, and I am your co-host for PCBC. And here I am so blessed to get another episode with my pal, my colleague, my friend, Liz Easton. Liz, tell us about yourself. Oh, hey, Ricardo. Um, I am Liz Easton. I'm the canon to the ordinary in the Diocese of Nebraska, where the season is also changing. We had a very late, long summer. 
And then um, I went away from for a few days. I went back to Seattle, came back to Omaha, and it was fall all of a sudden. So it's chilly. The days are short, shorter. Um, you know, I have a touch of the seasonal affective disorder. I'm not ashamed to say. So I'm trying to get ahead of it this year with like using my sun lamp and taking my vitamin D, being outside as much as I can. That's great. Yeah. Does that does that sun lamp really help? Uh, I don't know. I got it last year and I didn't probably use it as consistently as I should have. So yeah. maybe, probably not. I don't know. But anything, like I'll try anything. Right, right, right. Do I mean, I guess you've already answered the question I was going to ask. Is there anything about the winter that you enjoy? Like getting cozy, having your cocoa by the fireplace with your book? Yeah, I do like a cozy day. Um, you know, before COVID, back in the long ago days before COVID, mm. if we had a snow day, like if it snowed enough for them to cancel school, we would also have work canceled. And mm. I love that. Nowadays, though, that we all have the capacity to work from home, we those those days have been robbed from us. So um, I did used to like that. And I still will enjoy like those big, big snows. But for me, the hardship of the season is the short day. Yeah. It's evening coming early and waking up when it's still dark. It's harder for me to pray in the morning. It's harder. Yeah, I just I just like daylight. It's like daylight. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I mean, even here where it doesn't get wintry uh, as much, uh, it getting dark at 530 is a drag. Um, and every winter I say, okay, when the days get longer, I'm going to take big walks in the early evening before it gets dark. And it didn't happen this year. <laughs> so now it's too late. So, <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, we should tell our listeners that a fun thing that we did this season, not together, but separately was that we both saw the death cab for cutie and postal service 20th anniversary tour. Yes. It was amazing. Yes, it was. I haven't stopped thinking about it. Where did you see it, Liz? I saw it in Seattle, which was fun because their uh, Death Cab, at least, is a Seattle band. So it was sort of like a homecoming for them. And I saw it at Climate Pledge Arena, which is like the big arena there. It's called Climate Pledge Arena. And oh. so there were like 18,000 people there. It was wild. Um, only it wasn't wild because it was like 18,000, you know, 40 year old, um, like alternative emo fans. <laughs> so it wasn't that crazy, but it was fun to be in that kind of company. Oh, that's great. What? Well, so is Climate Pledge like the name of a big corporation or something? I think I could be wrong about this, but I think that Jeff Bezos bought it. Or Amazon did and called it Climate Pledge Arena because they were making a pledge to the climate. Oh, okay. I don't know. When I was a kid, it was called Key Arena after Key Bank. But um, yeah, it's Climate Pledge Arena now. And wow. where did you see them? Oh, Liz, I saw Death Cab for Cutie and the Postal Service at the Greek Theater in Berkeley, California, which is a not an 18,000-seater. It is an outdoor theater pretty much right there on the Berkeley campus uh, or right off of it. And I don't know, they, it probably seats a good 4,000 maybe, uh, but it's, it's a, it's a half 
So it's it's a theater. And I've learned this from my husband. An amphitheater is when it's all the way around. Ah. Theater is just a half circle. Oh, I didn't know that. Right. I didn't either. So it's a, a theater of kind of cement kind of steps that you can sit on behind, which is a big lawn. And we got there early enough that we got to sit at the very bottom cement seat where all the general admission was. Yeah, yeah. Um, So it was pretty wonderful. Um, Close up, got a lot of photos and took a few videos. And um, I have to say, though, being 57 years old and going to an outdoor concert, oh, man, having to stand for three and a half hours, my feet literally fell asleep. I'm sure we didn't, we didn't stand. Everyone sat for death cab and stood for the postal service. Yeah. Yeah. Compromise. Oh yeah. I mean, I think it's, I I would have preferred an assigned seat, but that's okay. It was great. How adorable is Ben Gibbard? He's my new boyfriend. You know, I always say that Vince Gill is my boyfriend and he is, and will always be, but I feel like Ben Gibbard is my new parasocial crush boyfriend. Oh yeah. I can see why. Definitely. Adorable. Yeah. And um, certainly um, looks good in black and white. Um, Yes. Yes. There's a costume change in the middle. (laughs) Well, I think it's okay to have more than one parasocial boyfriend, as you say. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. Ah, So, wow. Now, so we've seen Bruce Springsteen together and Ben Gibbard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> we're, we're just collecting <laughs> collecting know. who will we see boyfriend. next uh who will we see next all right well that remains to be seen uh but in the meantime let's talk books yes books books, books. so um you know i think i'm just going to get right down to it although i i did have one thing uh oh sorry i just got a text it's okay oh you know what i should close my email so it doesn't make beepies. Right. I did that beepies. <laughs> yeah. All right. <clears throat> you know what, Liz? Talking to you just cheers me up. Oh, me too. Thanks. Yeah. I was feeling blah. Kind of like, uh. I kind of was too. I'm feeling better. Yeah. This is good. This is friendships, relationships, very important. It's good to break up the middle of the work day with a conversation with a friend. Yeah, totally. All right. Bravo. Bravo to us. So. um Let's talk about books. I do want to say one thing. I, I'm going to go ahead and make my pick and get it over with. Um, I like the book. I don't have a lot to say. But I was thinking how, you know how we do the New York Times best books of the year and we talk about those? Well, that's all fine and good. But it seems to me that at some time near in the near future when we have this again, we should talk about our favorite books. Yeah. Year, of the know? year, you mean? Yeah. What was the, What were your three favorites? What were your three least favorites? You we know, should I, do a PCBC best books of the year because people would much prefer that to the New York Times, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, they haven't even heard of those New York Times books. Maybe we should do a special episode. We should ask Greg if we could do a special episode at the end of the year. I think he would say yes. Yeah. And even if he didn't, we'd record it. We'd do it anyway. <laughs> we'd have no way of getting it out there without him. But Okay. <laughs> Okay, well, so I, that's what I think we should do, and um, I, I've, I I tend to not I tend to not love the books I read these days. So oh, interesting. I don't know, uh, but I do like the one I'm choosing. So my pick for the month, I don't remember where I heard about it, and it's a book that you know I tend to be a bit of a 
I don't know, literary snob. I I want to read books that are well regarded by the critics. That's just because I, you know, I let them be the gatekeepers of my reading life because who has time, right? So I tend to read those books and I don't know how I heard about this, but it doesn't read like a literary kind of novel to me. It's a little more kind of narrative driven. A um, couple of things are a little, you can see through the writing that it's a little it's trying too hard kind of thing, but I thoroughly enjoyed it, even though it does have some kind of dark stuff that goes on. And that book is called Midnight at the Bright Ideas Bookstore by Matthew J. Sullivan. And it's all about a young woman named Lydia. She works at a bookstore in Denver, Colorado. And um, it's about, it's basically about a horrible thing that happened in her childhood that kind of changed her life. And she tried to run away from it. Uh, But then a sort of a a homeless guy who hangs out at the bookstore all the time and she befriends uh, becomes kind of brings up the past kind of thing. Right. But what I liked about this book is that the characters are so engaging, even as they sometimes felt a little one dimensional, um, th- you're rooting for her all the time. You're scared for her because there's some danger. There's a whole mystery about why this homeless guy is connected to any of it. And I think it's a genuine surprise um, who the real bad guy was from the childhood thing when it happens. Although I did see it coming, I will say. Uh, but it's it's a surprising thing. And uh, it's it's sad, but it's funny. And there are all these little characters that show up, like the characters that come. There are apparently a lot of uh, homeless or near homeless folks who come to the bookstore every day. And she calls them the book frogs. And she's really nice to them. And they like her. And um, she's got a boyfriend who's very sweet. She's got an old childhood friend that comes back into her life. All these things. And a father she's estranged from. But just all these relationships. And she's trying to figure out. Because that homeless guy early on, so it's not giving it away too much, uh, commits suicide in the bookstore. Oh, gosh. And you, and he leaves behind these clues in books. He's cut out little bits of books that he's purchased from the bookstore, used, and leaves them to her. So she has to kind of puzzle out what the message is that he's trying to tell. And um, it all, it's one of those things where, oh, all these coincidences actually lead to her and her childhood, which is a little much, right? But yeah. it works. And I think it's just, it's a terrific read. It, it is well-written. It's not badly written. Um, it's just sometimes you see through the the characterizations or the plots. And um, Matthew Sullivan, I mean, he did a good job. And apparently I looked him up a very little bit and apparently the book was well-regarded in its time. But Goodreads, who I'm understanding now is not to be trusted all the time. Yeah. Because uh, they have some agenda or something, uh, they only give it three point eight stars out of five. But I liked it. I liked it. I recommend it. It's not a literary classic, but it's a good read. And I think has uh, people when you have characters you root for, and you know, frankly, when something's set in a bookstore, I sort of almost automatically like it. Yeah, me too. Oh. <clears throat> That's a fun little subgenre is bookstore books. Right. So how did you hear about this book? I can't remember. I bet it was in those New York Times by the book interviews where they interview an author. Yes. And so as they're interviewing the author, they ask questions like, you know, what books are on your nightstand and blah, blah, blah. And I think somebody brought it up. 
it, it was it was um, published in 2017. I thought it was new. And um, somebody, I think, brought it up in passing and I made it sound interesting. And so I looked it up and then I got the audiobook and I breezed right through it. That's what I love. Yeah. You're reading or you're listening to an audiobook and you kind of want to stay in the car for a little longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or you put it on when you're doing chores or something just to get a few more minutes. Exactly. And that doesn't happen as often. Often I'll, if it's a longish book, which this wasn't, I'll just stop midway and I just, I need a break, you know? And then if I'm not careful, it becomes overdue at the library. They take it back and I haven't finished listening to it. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. So my selection for this month is Midnight at the Bright Ideas Bookstore by Matthew Sullivan. Pick it up. Check it out. I do think you will enjoy it. You root for the characters. There's some tragic things that happen, but they, they're they understandable. So that's me. I love it. That's that was a easy. It's a yeah. good wreck. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Liz? Okay, well, um, mine I did hear about via a New York Times review. And one of my favorite things is when um, like literary fiction sort of takes on genre fiction like you kind of can't tell whether you're reading kind of a, a a genre book or a literary book and in this case it this is like a literary fiction book that kind of masquerades as a thriller and that is very a very satisfying little subgenre for me but the book is called I have some questions for you by Rebecca Mackay and Rebecca Mackay wrote The Great Believers did you read that no, yeah. but I own it. Oh, it's an excellent book. And it was it's a few years old and it was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize and for the National Book Award. And I think that was her most recent novel to this one. This one just came out this year in 2023. So she's a great author. And interestingly, for this novel, she lives on the campus of the boarding school I think she was a day student when she was a kid, but it's a boarding school where her husband now teaches. And that is uh, uh, significant for this book because it takes place on the campus of a boarding school. So I thought of Betsy as I was reading it um, and wondered how much of it was like true to um, boarding school culture. But the premise of the book, which without giving too much away, is that there's a woman who's now like in her 40s early forties, who is, um, herself like a podcaster, journalist, author, and she attended a kind of fancy boarding school when she was a kid, having come through some very difficult childhood, uh, traumas. She was sort of adopted by a family who helped her go to school at this place and kind of gave her, um, another chance. And this was in the nineties and she was kind of like a grunge goth kid and never quite fit in, but it nevertheless, it was a very significant part of her life and a really all consuming community and family for a kid who didn't really um, have much community or family outside of that. Well, her senior year, right around the time of graduation, one of um, her classmates is found dead um, and murdered in um, on campus And eventually a staff member of the school um, makes a confession kind of under duress, which he ends up recounting, recanting, excuse me, but um, he goes to jail for a long time. And the school kind of is like, well, we figured out 
who did it, even though no one is ever quite sure if that was what happened. I'm not giving anything away here. Okay. Right. So she goes back to the school for a couple of weeks to teach like in seminary, we would have called a January term, like an elective term between terms. Right. And she teaches a little podcasting class to students there. And one of the students becomes interested in this story of the murdered student and creates a podcast about it, which then forces this um, woman to sort of confront the past and um, begin asking some questions about who actually murdered her classmate. Anyway, it's just, it's a great story. Uh, It has a lot of the um, aspects that you come to appreciate in a thriller where, um, oh, you know, red herrings and, um, uh and, you know, it's a bit of a mystery only it's not a typical thriller in the sense that it's more ambivalent than that. Um, things aren't tied up nicely in a bow. And in a lot of ways, it's kind of like a Me Too novel. There are a lot of questions about um, gender and power and um, who gets to tell the story, retrospection and growing up and being better than we once were and taking responsibility for our youthful selves, but not too much responsibility. It's a thinker in a lot of ways. I don't think it's a perfect book. The reviews were... I wouldn't even say they were mixed. I think the reviews were very positive, but um, you know, it's not a perfect book, Uh, but I really liked it. The New York times or pardon me, NPR said described it as a dark, uncomfortable story that feels universal. And it did seem that way to me. It was a very particular story that felt universal. So that's what I commend to you. I have some questions for you by Rebecca Mackay. That sounds great. It's really good. I got it at the library. It was great. Oh, we love the library, first of all. We sure do. And bookstores. Yes. And the Friends of the Library bookstores. All the better. (laughs) Oh, so Rebecca Mackay, so the great believers that you mentioned, I bought that book, uh, just heard raves about it, and I started reading it once when I had to kind of walk out the door five minutes later. And so, of course, I got sucked in so quickly yeah. and I was late to wherever I was going. And I thought I am getting back to that book. Cause I read like five pages and I, then I never did. And that was like five years ago or something. Yeah. But if it's anything like that, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's interesting that your, the premise of your book choice is somewhat similar to the premise of my book choice, like this kind of childhood trauma thing, mm-hmm. this, this violence that happens when you're young and it, um, wasn't quite resolved. Um, and it affects the life of the main character, but, but see what I was saying about how my choice is not that literary. It seems like yours is. And so that that's the difference right there. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think that, um, I posted about it on Instagram and somebody commented, um, that they didn't like the main character, And I didn't realize it until she commented that, that I was like, oh yeah, this is um, a main character who I did kind of, I did like, but is also an ambivalent character, which I think is kind of the sign of more literary fiction versus like more contemporary fiction, I guess, is that um, the main character is a complicated person um, to kind of live inside and with for that period of time. 
Um, so that made that kind of elevated the book too, that you had to stop and ask yourself, like, what's this girl's deal? <laughs> like, am I do I agree with her? Is she reliable? Oh, yeah, that was all really good. Yeah, interesting because yeah, the main character in uh Midnight at the Bright Ideas bookstore is pretty much you know a, a very likable person. Like you kind of that's that's set pretty early on. Although um she doesn't treat her father very well because of that violent episode and you're never quite sure why i will say that the violent episode that happens in her childhood is pretty graphically um Mm -hmm. written about uh and 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 that's disturbing it's easier when you're listening in some ways because you can just sort of it keeps going and then you're done with it Mm -hmm. I, i guess you do that when you read as well but probably easier to pause and gasp and worry and wonder when yeah. one controlling the pace. So maybe both of our books have a content warning for childhood trauma to look into that before you pick these books up, if that's something you're particularly um, sensitive to. That's a good point. Yeah. Although I would say the the thing that happens in mine is not about like abuse. It's, it's a violent crime kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, crime scene situation, but yeah, for sure. Um, wow. Well, that's it. We're done. We did it. We did it. (laughs) Let us know if you think that we should come back with a PCBC, uh, best of book recommendations for the year. And I would think it would be our year of reading, not necessarily the year 2023. Right. Cause I don't necessarily only read books that come out now. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. It should be books we read in this calendar year. That we mm-hmm. loved. Yeah. yeah. Who, who can keep up with the new stuff, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, there we are. I, you know, I'm feeling a little better about reading these days. I was kind of down on it for a while. I don't remember why, but uh, I don't know. I I think I think I got overwhelmed by all the stuff I was trying to read. And then yeah. I just, you know, nobody's forcing me to do any of this. Right. So. right. You're not in school. It's not assigned reading. Yeah. You know, you, you put the books on hold the audiobooks on hold at the library and so and so is available. This book is available. At one point I had four books in my little shelf. And I thought, I'm never gonna get to these. Oh my God. Oh my God. And then I returned them. Cause yes, you- exactly. That happens to me with physical books that you put in your library holds as um, you know, as you learn about a book, and then all of a sudden they all come in at once. It's like, well, I can't read four books in three weeks. No, no. I can't do it. The nice thing about the Libby. Uh, thingy this that's the i don't know if you have libby with your yeah, audio. that's what i used to the nice thing is you can you have that function where you can say deliver later so you can put it off you can still yeah. keep it on hold but so but you know say oh in like 28 days i'll get right. you send it back to me uh that's always nice wish you could do that with work you know let's no. deal with that in 14 days god i would love that <laughs> All right. I don't think we need to do an outro because we're just a little satellite pod. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, people could go to our website, poppingcollarspodcast.com. Yes. And see all the pretty pictures that go with the uh, episodes and check out all the different offerings that we have. We buy some merch. I wonder if we should get just PCBC merch. I don't see why not. Yeah. Little photos of us holding a book. Yeah. Wouldn't that be cute? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd have to take about... 80 photos before I was happy with the one. You know? yeah, someone like draw a picture of us. But Liz, who's gonna, who's going to buy that t-shirt really? Except My for favorite. you and me. <laughs> My mom and dad probably. <laughs> <laughs>
Your mom and dad are so nice. They're so supportive of you. They are. Yes, they are. Very fortunate. Okay. Well, here's to Mr. and Mrs. Easton. (laughs) Go by. And to all of you faithful fans, we, we, we thank you for listening. We are thrilled that you are reading. And we hope that you'll let us know things that you think are great books. Send us a little note. And maybe we'll read those too. So... On that note, this is another episode of the PCBC, otherwise known as the Popping Collars Book Club. Thank you, Liz. It's always great to chat with you. Yes, it is. And let's remember, through all that reading and listening, to keep those collars popped. Pop, pop. <laughs> Yay, we did it. Oh. I'm giving you.